Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Um, Steve is here. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mitch. How are you going? I'm all right. I'm all right. We've had mm. a bit of an event. Look all rubbed up. Yeah, it's cold. Mm. Um, I actually, believe it or not, our apartment building here is the heater is one day it works and one one day it doesn't. When I came out here this morning, it was even though it looks like a, a nice day in the background, it was freezing. And luckily today the, the heater worked. Um, unfortunately, I have to turn it off when we're doing this podcast because you can hear the noise in the back in the background. Right. So I've turned it off, but that's why I've got don't, a sweat on. Don't freeze on. for the podcast, mate. That's why I've got a sweat on. Um, I've still got my sleep shorts on underneath. I'm like a newsreader today. I haven't even bothered <laughs> to get dressed properly. I shouldn't give that away. Steve can see me, but it looks like I'm dressed, um, but I'm not. I'm not dressed. This is <laughs> this is what I wear to bed, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Luckily, we don't put this video up on um, on YouTube. It's not very when attractive. You, when you originally suggested that we could kind of do it, it's like, mm, yeah, no, I don't think I'm fit for human consumption. In that yeah, regard, I haven't. So. I haven't been. Um, I haven't been making YouTube videos at the moment. I, someone said to me, you know, when am I going to start making more watch videos? And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, the last watch video I did, I didn't put myself on camera. I just thought I'd just do it. You know incognito style they seem to do which better one was than that the explorer yeah the explorer 2 one um, yeah, yeah yeah but it obviously is is not a good trend when i look at my youtube channel stats and then the watch videos are actually um performing better than the porsche videos but hasn't that always been the case what well watches are more monetization huge? way monetization way the, the watch videos earn more money watch videos and tech videos actually make more money than um porsche videos not that i make you know not that I earn a living from YouTube, it's just a small amount just to like pay for, you know, things that I buy and stuff. That's how I see it. But that's it. Yeah, so Steve's here. Everyone knows Steve. Steve and his GT3. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I never introduce. I always think everyone that's coming to our podcast has been here before. I know there are new people coming because I get messages from people, Steve, saying they haven't, right. they listened to their first episode and I think they started, you know. I think someone the other day listened to a first episode and it was the 50th anniversary one. So that was the first one right. they listened to. So people don't necessarily what do listen they say? to... What the... no, they say? They say, who the hell are you, ask clowns? I said, good, I got a, a, you know, and I always mention certain people in the podcast, you know, but I got a message from Ajmal at Flat Cap Driver. Uh, go and check out mm. his YouTube video if you haven't already. And he said that, that our last episode was very funny. And then I'm thinking, <laughs> what did we actually say in our last episode? <laughs> I'd, yeah, I don't remember that. Apparently, <laughs> funny, ha -ha, apparently, or funny not. <laughs> well, apparently, people do laugh at us, so we are. Apparently, we do come across funny sometimes. So even though we think we're very dry, apparently we are sometimes humorous, Steve. Okay, um, I'll take that. Patreon. I'm going to plug Patreon. Actually, I'm not going to call it Patreon. I'm going to call it Porsche Cooled Exclusive Membership. This is like a this is like a um, Spikes Car Radio ad, isn't it? I feel like I'm doing a Matt Farrer or a Spikes Car Radio where they do 20 minutes of ads before the video starts. It's not an ad. It's just um, supporting the podcast. I didn't mention it last week. I completely forgot. I don't know why. What was wrong with me? Porsche Cool Podcast. Uh, Porsche Cooled Exclusive on Patreon. You just go to patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled uh, slash Porsche Cooled. Yeah, slash Porsche Cooled. It just helps us keep talking. It helps us to buy equipment. I've got a new mic stand, which Steve can probably see, which I bought. Patreon money at the moment. Patreon uh, memberships at the moment aren't really paying for anything because I've only got, you know, we've only got 14 or something people. <laughs> But it helps. It helps. It's just going to sit there and eventually it will pay for a microphone. It will pay for something. So that's that. Porsche Cool Exclusive. If you want to help support the podcast, um, just go to Patreon and um, become a member. 
Um, the other thing, Steve, I didn't mention. Oh, also on Patreon, we have a new mm. member, um, which I didn't mention last week. I completely forgot. Is Mark. Uh, I'm not sure where Mark Good comes luck. from before. Hi, Mark. Uh, Mark um, has left us an Apple review before as well. He did mention that he mentioned us and, and had left us an Apple review, and I had done a shout out to him for that. Getting on to oh, cool. Apple reviews, Steve, still plugging this. Apple podcast mm. reviews, I just want to say thank you because we are now up to 47 reviews. And that <clears throat> these reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, like I said, they, they help us get into the charts. They help our podcast um, show up more on the search results so other people can discover us because it's pretty hard to find a podcast. You know, they're, sometimes they're really deep unless you – I guess if you search for Porsche, Steve, you will get it pretty much straight away. But yeah. – Otherwise, you know, even when I'm looking for a podcast sometimes, it's like there's just so many things that come up that I'm not even really interested in. I'm not sure where they're getting their algorithm from. So if you, um, if you leave a review for us or a rating, uh, rating, you just have to do the star thing. A review, you just have to spend a couple of minutes to write something. Um, we're up to 47 ratings and reviews at the moment. Um, and that's worldwide because I, I see the stats for the worldwide things. So different countries, you won't see all the reviews. You only see the review when you go to iTunes for your own country. But we have 47. Uh, Steve, we only need three more for 50. It'd be good to hit 50 before the end of the year, 50 reviews and ratings. I think that's um, pretty good for a little podcast like ours. Do you want me to start typing? Yeah. Why don't you get um, Cindy to do one and someone else to do one? Get your brother-in-laws and get everyone to do one. Okay. <laughs> um, but we had three three new reviews, uh, really nice reviews. I won't read them all out, I don't think, but we had one from JP993. Uh, from Australia, um, five-star review. I'll just read the title, A Wealth of Knowledge from Real Porsche Enthusiasts. So that was really nice. Uh, then we had another one, four stars. Uh, sorry, not four stars, five stars. What am I talking about? Five stars. Uh, Porsche Cooled, a great podcast about people and their Porsche experiences. Um, that was from um, PJM-911. Uh, that was from New Zealand. Uh, I think that's Paul, actually. So thanks, Paul. Uh, Paul, who was on the previous owner's stories. If you haven't... Listen to that owner's story. It's a really good one. He's got the G50. He's got the 997 GTS in manual, which I'm very envious of. And he's also got the 328 Ferrari, which uh, thank you, Paul, um, 328 GTS. Thank you, Paul, for putting that into my mind and not being able to not stop looking at 328 GTSs now online. So now I'm looking at 912s and 328 GTSs, so my mind's even more messed up than it was before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, then, <laughs> and then... And then... Uh, from uh, Miff, uh, Miff is uh, a Patreon member, uh, and he left us a really good uh, review. Porsche Cars and Coffee Chat, uh, really nice review. So thank you, Miff, for that. I really appreciate it. And he knows a lot of the people you are talking about, um, the suppliers in Sydney. I think he, I'm pretty sure that Miff uses Auto House. I think he knows um, John for uh, so John from Pro Stitch. Yeah, I think I've seen um, Miff's, Miff's if you look cars at, in Auto House before. Yeah, if you look at, uh, I think, uh, Miff, I'm not going to let people know your last name, but if you look at Miff's in- Instagram, Steve, you would have seen it. I think I sent you the link. I think he's got an orange. The orange uh, car? Yeah, yeah, the orange car, which you've seen at uh, Auto House, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah very, very so. nice car, Miff, very nice car. It's cool. Very cool. Um, so that's it. That's it for the plugging. No more plugging, but that just helps support us and helps us um, keep talking because people keep saying, you know, don't stop doing the podcast don't stop chatting with Steve about Porsches. Don't stop doing the owner stories. This is episode sixty, Steve. I, I, I still oh, can't yeah. believe. I still can't believe we're at episode sixty. You know what I mean? Like last night, I edited um, next week's cars and uh, next week cars and coffee. Next week's um, owner stories, Porsche good owner stories, and that was episode sixty-one. So, hmm. 
So we're getting up there. You're on fire, mate. We're on fire. We're on fire. <laughs> what's been happening, Steve? Give me, give me something. Tell me what's happening. Tell me about that. Um, your the, the mm. Porsche at um, South Sydney. Yeah, I went to pick up um, some parts actually for my uncle, not for me, from um, Porsche South Sydney um, for his new 991.2. And uh, whilst I was waiting at the counter in the service department, I peeked through the window and up on the hoist was a white 997 GT3 RS 4.0. So I was looking at it and I was like, wow, that's cool. And then I sort of started talking to the guys and sort of saying, oh, is that is that one for real? And they sort of said, "Yeah, everyone keeps saying that it is." <clears throat> yeah. um, so it was white with white wheels, um, apparently brought in from South Africa. I mean, I'd be curious to know how many um, actually came to Australia um, in terms of the allocation, but that would be extremely rare. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, I'd hate to think, and I said this to you in the message. I'd hate to think mm. the price of the of the landing cost for that car if he's brought it from South. South Africa, you know what I mean? Like even on a, you know, a 50,000 pound or 50,000 US um, 912, once you start adding the, I mean, freight is not that much, but it's the, it's the duty. The luxury because, tax, is it? And the duty. Yeah. So they must have lived in South Africa if they brought it in because you can't bring a car in otherwise unless you've lived there, that sort of car of that age. Right. So right. you pay the duty, 10% duty, and then you pay the GST and then you pay the luxury car tax on top of that. So... Over 66,000 Aussie, you pay, you know how much the GT3 RS, I mean, they value it in whatever they bought it for, I think, in South Africa. That's how they base it. I don't think they base it on Australian values. They base it on the overseas value. Terrible stereotypes, but I think if you can afford a 4.0, whether you you were yeah, the original true. owner or you could well, sort of get your hands on it afterwards, um, you, I guess you can afford that kind of thing. Yeah, true. It's interesting, actually, because um, I had a conversation and mm. um, I'm not going to mention his last name. I don't think, no. I, met, I talked to a guy called Peter and Peter lives in South Africa as well. And he has he has a GT2 RS, Vizac. Mm -hmm. He has a GT3 RS, all the new ones, GT3 RS. I think I might have sent you this. He's, he has them in blue. They're I both in shades of blue, PTS blue, yep. I think they are. And I'm pretty sure he bought a Speedster because he showed, he sent it to me ages ago. Um, yep. I haven't spoken to him in a long time and he sent me a message um, via Facebook um, the other day or a week ago or so. He's the mad watch guy too, right? Uh, he's not that mad of a watch guy. Um, okay. He has spoken about watches, but he's he has, I mean, he has these two GT cars and he's about to relocate. Um, I, I'm hope, I don't know if Peter listens to this podcast and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but it's just because of you talking about the 997 4.0 GT3, right? Hmm. In that he was trying to decide, like he said, you know, do you think I should take my GT cars to Switzerland? You know, being, uh, you know, should I take them there? And hmm. I think they're right-hand drive. I think uh, South Africa's right-hand drive. They are, aren't they? Yeah, you would have noticed yeah. in that car yeah, in South Sydney, right? They're right-hand drive. So he said, do I want two GT cars left-hand drive in, in, in Switzerland or left-hand drive cars? And I said, you should take at least one, you know? I said you should take at least one. I wouldn't just get rid of them. I mean, I'd, I'd probably want to take both. But it's a tricky decision, isn't it, when you are relocating and you have cars of that pedigree and that, you know, rarity and cost. You know, do you take them with you or do you just buy a new one when you, you know, when you relocate? Yeah, I guess so. So, like, uh, also um, in this rarefied sort of 
clientele world. Um, so obviously you've got to be like a sort of a VIP customer of Porsche to kind of get yourself, you know, like a new speedster and um, a yep. GT2 RS and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Uh, so say like uh, I'm that guy and I bought like quite a few in Australia and then I moved to Switzerland does your VIP status go with you or is it more with the, is it with the dealer or is it with the brand? Ooh, good good question. I don't know. I would think it's with I would think it's with the brand, but is it with the country? See, this is it's tricky, isn't it? I don't think it's just mm. with the dealer, but maybe it's is it country? Is it you're a you're a, you know, special customer for no the idea. country? Yeah. You'd no think idea. it'd be in Porsche's main da- database though. If you, if you you know, if yeah. you are given the opportunity to own a GT2 RS, a GT3 RS, you know, all the new models, 2019 model or whatever yep. it is. And then, you know, you yep. get the opportunity to buy a Speedster and you buy the Speedster. You have to be up there on Porsche's list, right? It must be a world list. Yeah, they, and they can't be a pretty smart organisation. Like a, surely they would um, they would kind of know who their VIP customers are. Like this, um, they're obviously in the thousands, but yeah. that's not that hard to keep a track of. I'm going to get, go off the topic here because I just want to know if you know about this. I was watching this video last night on YouTube and it was a Ferrari video, 328 GTS video that someone on Ferrari chat had linked. And it's a new video on this woman going through this 328 GTS. I think it's for sale. And then mm-hmm. she came out with this red book. And I don't know if Porsche have this. I came out with this red book and they call it something, you know what I mean? And basically the Ferrari go through your car. Like you're, mm-hmm. if you wanted to do it for three, two, if you want to do it for an older Ferrari, you can. They go through the car, you get the metal plate on the red folder, has all the pictures. They go through it and say it's all authentic, the engine, the paint. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's a whole thing. So when you go to sell the car, or you know, for your collector status, you have this red book, which is called something, and I should remember the name. Oh, and okay. I'm sorry to the people who always say I never remember the names, but and but the woman <laughs> said, but the woman said, the woman who was doing the video said, you know. It's probably not worthwhile to do it on a 328 GTS due to the value because it costs yes. fifteen to $20,000. To get Ferrari to verify your car. Yeah, it's like Ferrari wow. verified and they have a special name for it. But I think it's, yeah, a right. pretty, it's pretty cool, right, that you have this, you know, it's a big red book and it's got photos of the car and the engine numbers and it has the history. I think it might even have old owners that they have on record and it's basically a right. full history of your car that if you ever – I guess if you went to sell it, I guess for insurance purposes. Does Porsche do any? I wonder yep. if Porsche does anything like that. No, I've never heard of it. I, I wouldn't know. You'd have to be talk to somebody rich. And no, but they, um, no, but you right don't have there. to be. But it doesn't have to be rich though, because you can no, do I it. No, I am joking. The GT three. I know you I mean? can. I know you can get a letter. Um, you can sort of ask them to kind of verify your your VIN and engine number and you get them to sort of, I think you can pay for sort of them sending you a letter to kind of just verify that your car's, you know, like. Um, yeah, which people are complaining about because apparently Porsche's made it more difficult to get that letter and all these listings on Bring right. a Trailer say that now that they won't give the certificate of authenticity or something. They only give yeah. something else now. So they've, they've Porsche apparently made it even more difficult to get that. But like it's I said, when I. Because it'd be easy to forge, wouldn't it? If that's just sort of like something on letterhead with, you know. Yeah, Black Helvetica type in ten point. Yeah, true. But Tim at Tim isn't it? Tim at Auto House. When I got my car, he contacted the guy at Porsche South Sydney to get into the database and gave me a printout of all the details of my car. Mm-hmm. 
which yep. was nice of him. Like he got that print yep. out for me. So that was, I mean, I like that. It's in my folder that I keep all my receipts yep. in. Like, you know, I have the folder with all the receipts and whatever. And now I'm going to actually keep photos like what you said last week. I think that's a really good idea where you said that if, if there's any damage yep. to your car or anything to your car and has to get fixed or whatever, you know, to keep the photos as a record for when you sell it so you can show the next owner. Like if you had to respray mm, yeah. your, your bumper. As, Steve's yep. know, as Steve knows, I'm going to mention this. As Steve knows, yep. um, someone... Um, Damaged my car in where it's parked in Sydney. They backed into it. Um, Steve was nice enough to go over and, and take photos of it for me and sort it out. I mean, it's back into it some more. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's not. It you know, to a layman looking at it, they'll go, "What are you worrying about? There's hardly any damage." But you know, hardly any damage is you know when you split a bumper, like Steve said, it's still a couple of grand just to get it repaired, no doubt. Mm. Um, mm. So it's still not cheap, and it's still just shows you that people have no respect for other people's property and if they did know they hit it, you'd think they'd at least leave a letter, especially when it's in an, in the building where I live in Sydney. Yep. Anyway, that's that. I agree. Very, um, very unlucky, mate, but um, uh, fixable at least. Yeah, fixable. Everything's fixable, but is it going to be like it was before? That's what I always worry about. Mm, I think I sort of said it to you in a text as well, like... Um, not that you want, like zero damage is pretty much what you want, but if anything is going to be damaged, um, if it's the front or the back bumper, I reckon that's um, the area that you'd most want uh, to kind of have damage to because yeah. um, I think people expect that um, a front or rear bumper will kind of be resprayed, if you know what I mean, like even just from normal road use. I wouldn't blink if somebody sort of said to me, this car that you want to buy is pristine, except I've had the bumper respawn. It's like, yeah, fine. As long as it's a good job, then no problem. But my front bumper's actually got PPF on it. You know that, right? Hmm. So I don't know what it's done to the PPF. Um, but I guess I guess that could have happened. I mean, the damage to that could have happened parked in a street in Sydney. I mean, every time I park yeah. my car, when I go to the supermarket, when I don't go to underground car parks. I park in the street and I go to Redfern in Sydney and I park there or wherever it is, Steve. So, you Isn't know. that worse? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I'm always very careful. And, you know, the Audi I used to get, yeah. I mean, the Audi because I used to park in the street where I used to work and, and it was in a busy area in Sydney. So you got so many much damage on the bumpers from people parking into me. Um, yeah, my number three was like that. I got sick of that. Yeah, I know. So, you know, that the, I guess that damage could have just happened parked in the street. You know what I mean? It's not like a... Yeah. I guess I have been lucky in some respects and, and now I'm not lucky. So, you know, but that's how things are going at the moment. I feel very unlucky at the moment. So that's probably why. Type 7 book, I bought it. I actually bought it off Amazon, you know. I bought it because Instagram just kills me. It just keeps showing me these things all the time. I keep seeing the book on Instagram. No, it's terrible. It looks good. <laughs> I should just buy it. It's only cheap. So, you know, I hope Tasha, my wife, doesn't listen to this. But I bought it off Amazon and it was cheap. And then it was like taking too long. It was going to be delivered 1st of December, then 10th of December, and then 15th, 12th of January. And I thought, you know forget about this and then i went to alpha spot and i bought it from alpha spot and paid significantly significantly more for it but which i didn't realize yeah, right. at the time i actually bought it and then went hang on did i just pay 15 20 pounds more for that which right. i did Oops. so because of the shipping and everything but it looks like a really good book so i bought it i had a look at the luftecolt book um mm -hmm. that's a really good one but Man, it costs expensive. a lot to ship it. Yeah, I mean, it's it costs expense international shipping. But you know, it's a limited run. That first one, they do it as a the first one's a limited run. It said. Oh, is it? Okay. Should get it, mate. Mm, I've got no work at the moment, so don't be <laughs> don't be flogging your wares at me. <laughs> but it's Christmas. 
Didn't say. Bah, That's why no one's got work. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. All our projects are falling apart anyway. Um, owner stories. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't, if you haven't um, listened, owner stories last Tuesday was a good one in the in the fact that I've never um, had anyone an owner on the on the podcast who on the owner stories podcast that's owned a three five six. So I thought it was really interesting chatting with Mark. Uh, Mark is from Perth in Western Australia, and he has a beautiful nineteen sixty three five six B T five coupe. So I actually learned a bit about 356s, Steve, which I didn't know about. Um, I'm not a really, I'm not really looking into them that much. I know they share that the engine from the 356 is what was used in the 912, um, but mm-hmm. that's about all I know. Did you like the look of Mark's 356? I didn't. I listened to it today um, because we are talking on a Wednesday, and yep. it comes into my feed sort of like mid Wednesday morning. Yep. But I didn't have a chance to um, go and look at um, his YouTube channel and all that sort of stuff. I must admit, I, I never really had a particularly strong interest in 356s. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to kind of go and have a look. But um, I, I thought Mark, Mark had was, a lot to say. He's a bit of a live wire, isn't he? <laughs> I thought Mark, yeah, I thought Mark was, um, I thought it was funny though how he said in Perth he's like the youngest, one of the youngest um, 356 owners. Because um, most people that own three five sixes, yeah, <laughs> most yeah, most people own three five sixes are really old, right? And interesting, a lot of women like three five sixes, and I have actually noticed that on Instagram. I know that um, uh, it's G. the Luke Terry effect, right? Gi Jen is it the girl from Peckler in the US? She's got a green one, a very yep. nice green one, um, and right. then. But I guess Rod Emery is kind of like he's you know he does the outlaw three five sixes. I mean he's a kind of really cool you know that outlaw style. I mean they're they're obviously yeah. appealing to younger people, yeah. It's weird how certain cars appear to certain ages, though, isn't it? It really is. But the 912, you know, shares that engine. It's a sim- it's, it's yep. the same engine block or whatever as the 356. Um, I yep. think it's a little bit more power. I think it's like the – I think it's a detuned – I think I've said this before – Super Carrera 356 SC engine that's slightly detuned, which is a 90 horsepower, and I think it was slightly detuned for the 912. I could be wrong. Mm. I could be wrong, but I think it is. But Mark actually told me something interesting via um, – I think it was via Instagram or email – that – that I should look at the 912Es. And the 912Es were produced, I think, in 1976, 75, 76. And mm-hmm. they were brought out for the same reason as um, the, 9, the 912 was brought out in 65, which they look, you know, obviously they're a 70s Carrera, but that engine in the, I am getting to a point here, the engine in the 912E mm. is apparently the 914 engine. I didn't actually realize that. It's actually the four-cylinder 914 engine, which Mark mm-hmm. was telling me is via Instagram or email, he was telling me that it was um, more reliable. It's actually a more reliable engine than the uh, 912 engine. Yeah, right. Sorry, Ajmal, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, there's other thing. This other thing, Steve, is pretty interesting. You can hire a 912 in the UK. You can actually hire it. Um, I got this sent to me. I'll mention Ajmal again. Flat cup driver, Ajmal, send it to me. Yeah. You can hire a 912 in the UK. Um, it's a 1969. It's got a picture of it. I'll send you the link later. It's a 1969 yeah. 912. So it's a long wheelbase. You know the model yeah. that I like, golden green color. It's been all restored yeah. and everything. You have yeah. to get it if you're just getting it as a self drive. You have to get it for one day. Um, yeah. Ajma was suggesting that I get it and and test it out. And take it for a drive. It's 350 pounds for a day. Is that cheap? <laughs> no, it's not cheap. But so it's like 700 um, Australian dollars a day. It's possibly cheaper than going and buying a car that you realize that 
might not be for you afterwards, <laughs> particularly if, if you're buying sight unseen. Yeah, I guess if you you could toss it up, you could say, okay, I won't get a PPI in the 912 bar. I'll just get this car and drive it and see what it's like. Yeah, yeah, I'd go and do it. You should go and do it. Anyway, it's, it's winter here, so I wouldn't do it now. But, I mean, maybe when it gets warmer, yeah. if I'm here in, uh, in summer or nearing summer, maybe it's a good idea to get one and just um, just take it for yeah. a drive. I don't know what the insurance – I'm guessing the excess for the insurance would be not cheap. Uh, but it's a site, if anyone's interested, um, it's a site called – I've got it here because I wanted just to mention what it's called, and now I can't find it. Porsche uh, Booker Classic. If you're in the UK, it's called Booker Classic hmm. – or go and have a look at it if you're not in the UK, because it's a worldwide web. You can have a look at it anywhere. Um, Bookerclassic.co.uk. <laughs> and it's, it's, they've got other classics as well, but they have this um, 912. So it could be interesting. Mm. I was, yeah. It was interesting to see it. Go and have a home. Did you, um, where did you go this week? Did you drive? Did you go for a drive with your mate again? GT, double GT3, uh, white GT3, um, twisty. I run. did not. I did not. The weather's actually been a bit sort of rainy the last few days, so it's not GT3. It's not GT3 on Cup 2 or Trofeo R weather. Um, I tend not to actually um, take my car out if it's wet because um, I'm a big scaredy cat. But um, last week, towards the end of the week, it was really nice and I went for a drive down through the National Park down south, um, went and had a coffee with my mate who lives in Austin, New, so the perfect um, destination Where's Ostermere now? Is that near? Is that on the other side of the Royal National Park? Yeah, that's just past um, that Seacliff Bridge. There's, oh right. Then what is it? Past that Scarborough Hotel pub. It's okay. like the yeah. We've been there before. We've driven through it. Um, that's a nice drive. So that's a nice drive. drive. And I, I'd done. I did this maybe a month and a bit ago, but I got held up. Um, so I didn't really enjoy the drive. I don't think I mentioned it. But um, this time I had the road all to myself and I really enjoyed it. It's good. I had a good, had a really good blast. Um, I did, it did make me realise that my car is so loud now um, with the, um, the modified exhaust that I tend not to rev it out. I tend not to rev past... Really? I don't know, five and a half, six, um, whereas... In the past, I used to kind of get up there a little bit more um, because it's so loud that I don't need to. It's funny because the reason why I decided to kind of go again on the exhaust was that I felt like um, I needed to kind of rev it to kind of get more noise. So I think I've kind of gone the full opposite. How do you know? How do you know if it's too loud? How do you know that they that they won't? Like, do the cops, I don't know, did the police ever check that? I mean... Yeah, you can get... Um, but how do they get, check um, it? How do you know if your car is too loud? Well, I'm assuming they just kind of list... They can hear with their own ears, like if the thing's bloody loud, and then I'm sure that they would get a um, noise meter out, a decibel meter, right? Right, and they then there'll be to have one. There'll be rules in terms of a certain distance. It's like track days, um, a certain distance from the rear, at a certain number of revs, and if you exceed that, then you're a nuisance to society and you have to go and get your car looked at by an engineer but how did the car feel in general good car's great it's really good so how Um, did the new um the new knob feel did you have the knob fitted then the new black one no no this is after um so what michael's referring to is that um i bought a 
Um, I sent Nicole? someone his link actually. Someone asked me about who the guy was, and I sent it to him. Yeah, so it's a wooden wooden gear knob on a metal um, shift rod from uh, Joel Konosenko in Austria. His um, thing is 911 Outlaw. Um, you should go and check it out. He sells this stuff through yeah. Carbone. Yeah, um, he's he's a cool guy. Like he um, he's actually a photographer, cinematographer. So um, uh, because I tend to know that type of person, I think we're just sort of in tune. So. Um, he knew that I bought my first one from um, Carbone and um, I think he followed me on Instagram after maybe finding it on your thing because I'm obviously never on Instagram. Yeah, he liked um, something of mine actually. I saw it yesterday. I don't know whether – I think he might follow me as well. I, th- I think it was on yeah, nice, 997.1. Nice I think it was 997.1. Anyway, I stupidly uh, went and – because he – the first one I bought – was a stainless um, sort of finished rod with yep. the um, combination of antique oak and normal oak. So it's sort of like the stripey type thing that's sort of a tribute to 917s and Carrera GT. Classic one. Also kind of, yeah, knob. But I think I was just talking to him. I don't know why I just was. And then all of a sudden I'm getting um, a non-combination one, just the, a darker, it's smoked oak, so it's just one colour. Um, but the thing that I sort of really kind of wanted was a black, matte black shift rod rather than the stainless one. Yeah. So, No, Joel, you sent me the images and I reckon uh, it's weird. I like the plain knob, the new wood shifter knob better last time when you showed it to me on the silver, mm-hmm. when it's on the silver mm-hmm. rod. But now you mm-hmm. put the black rod on. I kind of like the the one, the, the oak and oak one, the, the the spiral one. I think it actually. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about it when it's on the black. It just changes it, and it looks it looks really cool. But they both I, look good. Yeah, I like they both it. look good. It's really good quality stuff. Really nice. He's good to kind of deal with. Blah blah blah. Um, it did take me a while to kind of get it, but I know Joel was busy, so um, that's completely understandable. Plus COVID. Um, I saw the picture. But mine, I think also. Yeah, I think partly for me was because I just sort of felt like my interior was getting pretty posh tragic. I think I sort of called it quite a few times. It's just getting a bit full on with the Pepita, you know, the 911R inserts and bits of red and deviated stitching and bits of leather plus Alcantara and all that sort of stuff. So when you throw it all in, it kind of gets a bit overwhelming. Um, The black kind of shift rod calmed it down and the idea of just the like the one plain wood was to kind of calm it all down again. But I like them both and it's really easy to kind of swap out. So, Yeah, no, I think it looks good. Um, yeah. Due to us talking about it, I have actually had a few people ask me about it. I think mm. the first couple of people I just sent to Carbone and then the last person that asked me, and I can't remember who it was, sorry if, I, if you're listening, I sent them to Joel's website because they were talking about the black rod, I think. They wanted to know about the black rod. Um, yeah, he's only just he's, he's only just um, made that available. I think the first because see, like if I knew that there was a black rod available on the first one, that's what I would have. I was actually after, but I didn't. There was no yeah. option for it. Um, um, I was so looking. He's got a few different ones now. And then there's the other guy that makes for. I can't remember the company he makes for. What's that other guy in the US that I sent you the link for? The guy that makes. The, oh, is that Dave not, Mason? Ah, oh, Dave Mason. He's in the UK or US? US. Oh, the real Dave UK, Mason, have a look at his Instagram, the real Dave Mason. I noticed he had a post, I follow him, and I asked him about 997 shifters if he was going to do them ages ago. 
And now he's got a. He said he's going to because of so many people asking him, he's going to um, he's going to work on doing a nine nine seven shifter. He, I think, in the post he made out like it's not so easy to do it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I've got I think no that's, idea. I'd be really curious as to the kind of craftsmanship of it. I mean. When we first kind of got onto this and we were just sort of falling around and looking at all this stuff, because I noticed there's also like a guy based in Mexico when you read Renlist. Yes, I've um, seen him. He's considerably cheaper, but um, to be honest, the reason why I went with Joel's product is because uh, the knob, the, the wooden knob bit is good, but actually the the simplicity of the shift rod is was the thing that tipped me over. Um, yeah, most the of the other ones look a little bit too kind of thick and um, sort of looks out of balance in terms of um, how that kind of all comes together. So Joel's sort of thing is kind of an integrated bit. Like they're two separate pieces that obviously screw together. But um, but it's such an easy install, right? When you've got the silver one, it's just an easy swap yeah. over. It didn't take any time at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple. Yeah. Okay. What else? What else? Where are we, Steve? Should we get um, on to... Oh, what about uh, what about we talk about the basic... Um, before we, we talk about suspension a little bit. We're going to talk about suspension today because we always get a lot of questions about suspension. But before that, um, hmm. we both saw it. We've both spoken about it. What do you think of the new um, GT3 Cup car? It's cool. Um, very clever. I mean... I think that, and they they do do it every year, which is the cup car comes out first because um, uh, the cup car comes out first, but it's obviously a precursor to the kind of GT3. So, um, so it gives it gives you a good indication of what the GT3 is going to look like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like um, the bits that I noticed was sort of like that very distinctive kind of central air vent, which is sort of blacked out, and then the rest of it's kind of body coloured. It's kind of got those two new sort of nostrils to um, vent the the air out through the um, through the bonnet, which used yep. to come come out of the um, the front bumper. But they said because it's gotten bigger that they've relocated that. Yeah, the livery is really nice though. The color of it, the way they've done it, it looks it looks pretty special. I mean, it's a, it's a yeah, great, it's, cool. it's a great image. The one that's been going around, little, it's a great image. It's got little. Um, pictures of circuits i'm assuming that's all the kind of circuits around the world and stuff like that and um interesting how they kind of picked blue i don't know it makes me kind of laugh because i think like all these sort of luxury goods type thing like you know blue rolexes are the thing at yeah. the moment and or blue any blue any watch uh, ap um yeah anything blue you can't get it just sells out you know what i mean even yeah. if it's Tiffany blue like that new Rolex Oyster Perpetual 41, apparently that's just like forget about trying to get one of those. Yeah, right. Not that I would want one because it's awful. I'm sorry. People who like it, it's absolutely awful, that color. Yeah, it's. I don't know how they – it's funny. Like um, my client um, sort of laughs because every time Pantone release their kind of color of the year. <laughs> yeah. You know, my client always sends me a thing kind of going, oh, this – the colour of the year is salmon. Um, will you be kind of doing stuff and delivering salmon to me? And it's like, I can if I want, but I, God knows how somebody kind of arrives at, you know, the colour of the year. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I really don't. So the, the, cup, car, the cup car came out. Uh, what else did they release? Uh, the cup car is obviously going to be faster. So you think the cup car, what I was going to say is, you know, the cup car has mm. this one neck spoiler I mean, this yep. is obviously one of the prototypes we keep seeing spy shots of that's going around the uh, Nürburgring. Yep. So we haven't really seen the rear spoiler finished on the GT3, right? We've seen it in those those two we spy did in videos. Chris, in the Chris Harris video. 
But did we see it properly? Is that definitely it? Yeah. Yeah. So how he, does it... I remember he pulled back the thing and then he sort of said, everybody thinks that it's ugly, but have a look at oh, this. Oh, okay. Um, and it wasn't clad. Like you had, I'm sure people kind of paused it and took stills of that, but um, the uprights weren't as clunky as they were like on the um, camouflage mule car. But how does it differ to the cup car's wing? It's pretty it look, similar, I think. It's almost but the same? A cup, a cup car wing would be much um, bigger and wider in terms of the actual um, blade, the spoiler mm. part. Yeah, the, the cup car wing is similar to the GT3 RS wing, right? That'll be similar to the RS wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Closer yeah. to the RS than the standard GT3. I mean, it'd be yeah, pretty but cool. The, the standard GT3, um, like Andreas Proninger sort of said it quite a bit, which is... Um, it's got um, lots more motorsport cues than, like, in the past. Like, normally yeah. the RS is the one that sort of carried over a lot of the sort of track things, but uh, the standard GT3 is kind of taking more and more of those bits on. I wonder I wonder if you went into Porsche South Sydney today or Porsche London and you said, okay, I want to order the new GT3. Can you yeah. guarantee me a spot? I wonder if you would get a spot now. You probably wouldn't, right? It's probably already been... People have probably already taken up allocation. They would have been putting orders down ages ago, wouldn't they? Yeah, because I was wondering that about the Touring as well. You know, Nick's talking about, you know, he likes a GTS. Mm. And Nick here in the UK that's been on the first owner stories, a GTS. Uh, He sent me one the other day, actually, which appeared in um, TGE TV's video, which was a paint-to-sample. Have you seen it? Have you watched that video? No. It's a paint-to-sample peppermint green GTS with... Oh, I did see it. Yeah, well, Nick sent me that, that like Romans? Nick sent yeah Nick sent me that the day before the the same day or the day before, and it's like it's yep. nicely specced, but man, the color and then they've got the painted inserts in the seat in the in the lightweight buckets in yep. the reclining buckets, yep. and then they've got the green in the seats and the, I think there's green detail on the dash somewhere as well. Like it's I don't know. It's a nine six four color, isn't it? It's pretty full on. I don't know. I don't. I know it's a heritage color, but I, I it just it just. I don't know. It's just too much. I couldn't live with that color. I could. I think I could live with viper green over that peppermint green. I, I think viper green mm. or the sort of that green I could live with is lizard green or whatever it's called, isn't it? Lizard green. Yeah, I don't with think that I green, but I don't think I could live yeah. with peppermint. It just looks. Um, but someone spent a lot of money. It's paint to sample color. It's not a standard color. Yeah, cool on a nine six four. Um, but I don't know. Is that where it's from? Is it nine six four? Yeah, pretty sure. I think so. All right. And then, um, then they uh, they also did those um, graphics, which are kind of cool graphics. I saw them last night, actually. I must have missed them. The LMDH prototype, the um, the hybrid for Le Mans, right? It's the new hybrid for the new race series. Is yeah. that what it is? So I think they're announcing that they're going back, they're returning to um, Le Mans after kind of pulling out. And I read something somewhere where um, Audi have pulled out of Formula E and they've announced that they're going back to Dakar and Le Mans. All oh, right. And so what's somebody happening? made a comment or somebody made a comment that um, uh, Porsche will sort of feel like Le Mans is their turf, not um, Audi's turf. So they'll probably kind of go back to, it's quite interesting because I think it's um, Formula E was sort of seen as the sort of championship to kind of um, show your wares when it comes to um, electric cars and, and that's sort of the forefront of that kind of technology. But yeah. Um, I don't really follow it, but it sounds like um, some of the car makers are sort of considering going back to Le Mans or Audi and sounds like Porsche are going to go and do it. So, um, yeah. it, it's cool. Le Mans is such a cool race. Yeah, no, I watch it. I do watch it. I mean, I don't watch the whole thing. I didn't watch it this I, year. I, yeah. watch, I watched I watched. I didn't watch it this year. Yeah, I have watched it when it was, it was on 
it was streaming free, I think, one year or the year before. Not this year, the, the year before it was streaming free and I was watching it. Oh, was it? Or Only one year it was on somewhere in the UK or wherever I was it was streaming. But it says that oh, okay. that um, LMDH is for Le Mans, Daytona and Sebring Classics. Yeah. So it's actually the three races, yeah? Um, yep. And those yep. cars are sub or just over 1,000 kilograms and they've got uh, 680 horsepower. So that's yeah, um, right. pretty light and pretty fast. <laughs> it's only a yeah. thousand. It's only a thousand Insane. kilograms. That's like nothing. So that's going to be pretty crazy. Um, mm. And then the other thing I read just on the Porsche news before we talk about suspension, Steve, is, mm. and I heard this in someone's podcast actually. Um, I don't know who it yeah. was. I heard it in a podcast, and then I, then the article just apparently appeared about Porsche keeping classics on the road. And this is the sort of thing that you would that we are thinking about and you do talk about, you know, like with your GT, GT3, for example, like in years to come, mm-hmm. you know, how is it going to be in, in 15 years if you've still got that car? What's it going to be like with the, the push with electric cars and all this? Um, I, yep. Going on to electric cars, though, I watched the video on Shimmy 150's thing because he's just bought a Taycan Turbo S. And having a Porsche electric car in the UK, to me, seemed like a real pain in the ass from that video yeah it seemed like a struggle I've, for him if you should go and watch the video if you haven't watched it who all the listeners as well it, it seemed like he just couldn't get you know somewhere to charge it because it's not like points yeah yeah well it's not like tesla see tesla's so easy because the infrastructure is, is everywhere you know what i mean and it's yeah. fast but then with the porsche thing like he was getting ones that didn't work then it was you know and it's expensive it wasn't super cheap you know the cost he was paying for it wasn't super cheap i always think that right. you know tesla's free because when we you know went to the supercharger with that car it was free to fill up but maybe because that was a rental um yep. but you know like or is it free for some time with tesla but with porsche he had to pay and i think it was about 13 pounds when he charged it and he didn't even really charge it all the way right you know so i just think it's interesting about the electric thing anyway back to the classics um did you see that article, Steve, about Porsche wants to keep classics on the road? So they're doing this um, pilot program with Siemens in Siemens Energy, and I think it's financed by the German government, uh, and it's a it's a e fuel, so that you yeah, can... I hadn't, I'd heard rumblings about it on different podcasts and stuff like that. It makes sense, um, like everybody, you know, like people like Matt Farah gets quite vocal about. Um, sort of, you know, like where the future of cars is going and stuff like that. I mean, we're all obviously um, enthusiasts, so we'd love for internal combustion engines to sort of still be a thing um, in the future. And if they're going to kind of develop a fuel that's um, that um, means that a normal engine can sort of stay afloat and we don't have to drive an electric car, um, that would be great. I'd love to teach my daughters to drive manual car and... Hopefully they will enjoy it. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a really good thing that Porsche is doing this, and I mean, I guess they have to do it because so many people own their cars and their classics and their cars. You know, in another ten years, fifteen years, you know, the amount of their cars that are still going to be on the road, like they're not going to disappear. Um, yeah. And they do they're producing this fuel. I think it's southern. I think it said southern Chile. I'm just looking at my notes now. Yeah, southern Chile, um, and right. it's carbon neutral fuel as well. So it it works to Germany's you know strategy and you know, whatever it was. Yep. Um, emission strategy or whatever they call it hydrogen strategy a lot of people talk about hydrogen as a as an alternate fuel as well but um the cost of making it or converting it is quite high but yeah but this but i don't know i I don't completely understand what it is but this e-fuel can be used in combustion engines plug-in hybrids 
and can make the use, which is, I think this is the most important thing, which is really can make use of existing network of, fi- of filling stations. So yep. just your normal petrol stations, uh, you know what I mean? Yep. So it protects the climate. It gives you a fuel for your high-performance um, engines. Um, it's been developed by Porsche. So if you own a Porsche, I guess it's, you know, it's a good thing because it's being developed by Porsche. You know what I mean? So at least they're, at least they're well, thinking about it. At least they're not just going to say, well, electric's going to be the thing and forget about all you guys that have bought our cars for the last, you know, how many years. That's it. Yeah. Scrap them. So That's at least a- they're thinking of the future. As a group, it makes sense too because Volkswagen have pretty much like um, kind of gone the full electric route. But then, you know, Volkswagen Group consists of so many different other brands. So um, if anybody's going to try to sort of keep an internal combustion engine alive, like I guess Porsche is probably one of the smarter ones to kind of to have a crack at it. Oh, no, you'd take a guess that Ferrari would sort of be in there at some point in time you as well. You think so? Right? Yeah, like, for sure. Sure. These sorts of brands can't. Well, I guess they can, but it would be such a shame if, like, everybody just sort of went, no, stuff it. Like, we all have to kind of go electric. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was interesting to see that. Yeah. Very interesting. What else, mate? What else? We're going to talk about um, suspension. We're going to talk about suspension just briefly. And this is not an in depth, you know, how to do your suspension on your Porsche or whatever. I, I get questions. Um, I get mm. questions from people quite regularly recently, which I told you is that people are asking me what coilovers I have on my car. Um, and I yeah. have spoken about this before, but maybe um, the people who have asked me haven't caught up with that episode yet. Um, my car does sure. not, my 997 is lowered, as Steve knows. My car is lowered. I'll just talk about my 997 first, Steve. Um, yeah. My 997 is lowered. I believe the springs, I think the springs are Techart lowering springs. I'm not 100% sure, um, but I think they are. They'd be even if they were branded TechArt, they they're gonna either be made by H and R or IBARC, but they might be to TechArt specification kind of thing. Right, right. Um, and I'm probably guessing that because, like I said before, my car came on TechArt twenty inch wheels, so I'm assuming the lowering springs were TechArt. So it's probably a, a big assumption. Um, when yeah, when cool. Auto House uh, looked at my shocks and everything when they were doing the PPI, they didn't actually. He couldn't see the branding on the lowering springs. So mm-hmm. I am actually making a big assumption just because my wheels were tech art. I think they might have been tech art. But as Steve said, they're either e-buck or what was the other one? H&R. H&R, H&R. Yep. So mine has the stock uh, 997 shocks. Um, it has the lowering springs. My car is probably, and I don't know what this is in inches, sorry guys, but it's probably about 5 mil, Steve. I think it's 5 mil too low. I think it just needs to be just fractionally higher. Um, so it's, I think like just... Massive generalizations, like sort of when you drop your car, it's generally about 30 mil, isn't it? Like when you kind of get a set of springs. Um, yeah. Your car looks great. Like I like the stance of it. And I remember when we test drove it um, and I think I've driven your car like maybe two or three times yeah. in the time that you've owned it. Um, yeah. I don't reckon the – I don't think it spoiled the ride in your car. Not, not that I'm super familiar with the standard kind of Carrera, but um, your car rides well, um, handles well. No, I think the this is what I this is what I always tell people when they ask me that question. It it rides really well. Do you know what I mean? Um, people say you should get coilovers, or people say you should get you know the set. It rides really well. There's no problem with my suspension. There's no problem with my shocks, except one shock at the front, which I've mentioned before. The bump stop is torn, um, and just to replace that bump stop is expensive because of the labour involved. Yep. Order House Hamilton told me not to worry about it so much. Yep. I am still thinking in my head, which I have, you know, 
discussed briefly before as well that I am still thinking about um, Bilstein. Um, yep. I know that um, First Flight 6, Greg, who's been on the owner stories, he did his 996 with Owens. Um, yep. I think you knew, I think, are they road and track? Is that what you said, Steve? I think that's what the main one uh, is. I think it might be, yeah. Owens are sort of right up there. Um, yeah. I can't remember which ones they were you did, Greg. Um, I'm sure you're listening to this, but you were really happy with them. Greg was really happy with doing the Ollens. So Ollens is a recommendation. I know people do K&Ws on 996s. Um, it's all a personal preference. I don't know which one's better. I'm not an expert on thing. The one I was looking at, though, and only because I read so many posts on Renlist 997 forums was the Bilstein B12 Quick, B12 Kit. Uh, and that's what, I was, that's what I'm thinking in my head that I would still like to do. Uh, B12 mm-hmm. is B8 shocks, struts with the EBAC Pro Kit Springs. People have had them I've installed. I've had something similar. I've had something yeah. similar on, oh, I have that on, I think a Golf VR6, okay. the original one. Bilsteins are great. Like the, the And my uncle is a mad sort of Bilstein sort of fan as well. So we've oh, I put them on my MX-5 as well. Yeah, Bilsteins make a massive difference. Um so you, you you couldn't you won't go wrong and there's nothing wrong like it's it's a good sort of thing for a street car that doesn't go to the track and all of that sort of thing like it's not as it's not going to be nearly as expensive as you know um, KW coilovers or Olins and stuff like that yeah, true. so it's a good it's a good value um, it's a good value solution um, from my understanding of it and experience of it yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Right. I mean, you know, instead of changing the bump stop out, if I'm going to change, you know, bump stops are still cheaper to do. But, you know, I think you know, if I want to <laughs> yeah. tighten up the car, if I want to tighten up the car, I would possibly do the B12 kit. I think some mm-hmm. people mix and match, though, with this thing. I mean, the B12 kit is just like I said, it's it's the um, B8 shock struts with the EBAC Pro kit springs. I think some people yep. just buy them separately because they want the... Because the EBAC springs, you can have a pro kit for more comfort ride or you can have the sport line, which is a stiffer response. Yep. So there's two yep. different ones in the EBAC springs. I'm not a, you know, but I think some people want... springs you want on it. Yep. Yeah, this is you the thing. You can put the so springs on it if you wanted. Yeah, but I think some people don't actually get the B12 kit because they want to have, you know, one shock and then they want to get the difference, the, you know, the more stiffer response springs. So they sort of mix, they just buy them separately. Yep. Um, you don't have to buy them as a kit. It's just Bilstein puts this together as a kit and a lot of people on Renlist have actually have actually used it. And then the other thing, which I think, you know, which, and I know that um, James Adorta Amateur just did this on his on his 996 project car on YouTube, is, to ch- yep. is the engine mounts. Now, have you ever changed the engine mounts in any of your cars? I have, but um, not, I've never upgraded them. So in the 993, um, I don't think, I can't remember whether the GT3 has been done. Actually, I think they may have been as well. In both instances, they needed to be replaced and um, granted Auto House, I did sort of say to him, so what do you reckon? Like I think at one point, um, I think it was Wevos were the thing for 993s potentially. There was another, there's another brand of aftermarket one. Um, And there's obviously varying kind of um, degrees of like how hard the material is. Um, And Grant suggested to me that um, it wasn't for me um, because of the way I drive and my usage on the street and all that sort of stuff. He said um, probably introduced too much kind of vibration and all that sort of stuff. So I've never, I've never actually experienced it and done the upgrade myself if my engine mounts have gone I've actually just gone with the standard ones yeah well I was thinking about doing that when I and I 
I don't know if I've said this before, maybe I have. I was thinking about doing that when I come back to Sydney is just get them to check the engine mounts because I don't think I've ever had – I know it didn't show up on the PPI um, and I know people say they don't last. If you've got – if you're on your original engine mounts from a car that's, you know, 13 years old, they probably do need changing. They probably are getting sag and they yeah. probably are getting not as better response in your, in your gear changing and the vibration could be slightly more. I don't find any problem with my car. Maybe they're okay. Maybe they've been changed before. I don't know. Um, but you just I get would so do, familiar with it. I think yeah. you just need somebody else to kind of jump in your car and see that. That's often what happens to me when I kind of go and take my car to, you know, auto house sort of thing. I'm so used to it that I wouldn't sometimes pick up. But it's just, you know, part of normal wear and tear kind of thing. Yeah, and I've read reports when people say they've upgraded the suspension and then they've also changed their engine mounts. And I would do stock mounts as well, like you. I would just do the normal whatever came up with it. I wouldn't upgrade it to anything harder or whatever. Um, mm. Because there was something that someone had changed their engine mounts and the vibration was way too much. They said they had to change it back to stock. I don't know where I heard yep. that. Yep. But I I mean, I, I, like you said, you don't know until you drive it, right? You might get the engine mounts done and that could just make a huge difference to the way the car feels. Huge difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, it's such an important yeah, part, I've, right? I've been tempted. I have been tempted, but, um, you know, because like, I'm always, I guess I just sort of read too much shit on Renlist or whatever else, so then I'd... You know, I'll kind of go, hey, hey, great, like I've read about this, this and this, and he'll kind of say to me, oh, okay, well, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, in my opinion, blah, I, I quite like the fact that he sort of does that. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes, no, sometimes I kind of go with what he says and sometimes I kind of go, oh, I wouldn't mind trying it. For example, like my exhaust. The exhaust, um, yeah. I think he sort of said to me. And now um, it's too loud. <laughs> I think he sort of said to me, like, that exhaust is going to be so way too right. loud here. So he was right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm still happy with it. Still happy with it. You're oh, a hoon, mate. Yeah. You're a hoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you have a GT3, right? Let's. Uh, yes. I think we're not going to get time to go through all this all the suspension, but let's just go briefly through. Let's start. No, let's good. go. Let's go current to backwards. The GT3 um, suspension on the GT3. Would you at the moment you're running stock GT3 suspension that came with the car? Yep, and I believe the Bilstein coilovers because it's all fully adjustable. I'm pretty sure that the um, Bilsteins as well. Um, I have no reason to kind of necessarily think of anything else. Um, I guess my car's done 80,000 K, so. Wow, that's a lot. Probably, yeah, in, at some point in time, they're going to need to be either refurbished, or regassed, and renewed, or I guess I could kind of change them out. But then I guess, you know, you're going to be tempted by what you just sort of talked about before, which is um, KW, or if you're going to go full on like a Olin's, but. I but, reckon they're big bucks. Yeah, but with the GT3, because they are probably Bilsteins, they are really mm. already a high-spec, you know, coilover. There's not really yeah, they're not really any need. You know, with my car, because it's base Carrera, it's different. You know what I mean? I think you just go up a little bit. But with yours, the only I thing don't about, know if you need to, do you? You don't need to go any further, really. I, I think maybe the difference might also be just like with anything, like very similar to tyres, a shock shock absorber technology will have moved leaps and bounds in, you know, what is it, 13 years. Yeah. So um, I reckon like a current generation coilover is going to be far better than the 13-year-old one. And I reckon maybe the difference, like I don't hanker for more body control and anything like that because I don't drive hard enough to kind of um, feel all those things. But I think potentially when you read about like people that do fit KWs and Olins is that one of the um, 
one of the benefits is that you get a better ride on the street and right. that's probably would be a good thing. Like I don't find my car too stiff, but it wouldn't hurt if it was a little bit sort of more comfortable. But the coilovers have been good for you because you have actually adjusted your ride height on your GT3 a few times, right? Yeah, I've, I've, uh, on occasion, like I've just gone to Autohouse and sort of said, look, I think it's too low, it's too this, too that. Um, they sometimes pick it up and kind of go, we think the alignment's out. Are you happy for us to kind of have a go and um, just to sort of make small adjustments? It's like, yeah, cool. So it's good. So it's an easy process. No. Yeah, no complaints. Like, put it differently, like, well, I'll quickly whiz through because I know we'll run out of time, but the 964 and the 993 that I had previously, um, I did swap um, the stock suspension out on both of those for right. Bilsteins. The 964, I put Bilstein HDs, I think, which just tightened it all up, made it so much nicer and killed some of the sort of understeery, sort of bouncy feel that that car comes with standard. Yep. And then the 993, part of my sort of... Um, massive thing when people kind of uh, talk about standard 993s not being very good. Um, I reckon a big part of that is because they came on those shit. I think they're Bogue, Bogue shocks, which I think Where are, are really from? bad. Like well, Bogue? I've uh, heard of it. Um, they'll probably be German or um, European as well, but I think from, uh, don't quote me, but I think from memory when you sort of get on Red List and you start reading all the enthusiast-type stuff, um, they're really not the greatest shocks in the world. Right. Um, so uh, the best thing you can do is actually just kind of upgrade them. I wound up putting um, uh, Bilstein PSS9s on my 993 and that completely made transformed the car. That they're coilovers, so aren't they? They're adjustable. Yeah, um, which, and again, like, I guess it's nice to sort of say, hey, I've got adjustable coilovers, blah, 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 but, like, how many times have I ever adjusted my suspension myself. Like but were they adjusted when you owned it? Sorry, when you owned it, did you adjust the height at any time or just when you first set it up and yep. just to get the height right? Yep, exactly how um, it works with the GT3 in terms of if I do want a tweak kind of to be made, then I won't do it myself. I'll ask um, Autohouse to do it. So, keeping in mind I'm completely non-mechanical. But What um, is the ultimate height though and i don't know this and this might be a simple question to a lot of people i mean when you get this lowering suspension on a 911 when you spec it it's isn't it 20 millimeters or 25 millimeters lower i think right? it's 20 yeah i think 20. 20 so porsche do 20 so these ones so people go to 30 30 well i think so coilovers now uh there's more range in it like because before before you kind of went to coilovers it was a spring that dictated mainly the ride height I, like there's collars on it as well that you know, like a perch that you kind of screw down to kind of help you kind of figure it out but i think yeah. a coilover is um gives you more fine adjustment in your ride height okay so, so that that's one of the benefits of it but like again to be honest like say for example with the gt3 i don't know enough about it um to kind of start fiddling around with it to kind of make sort of fine adjustments if i was a track if I was a track guy and I understood it better and I was talking about weight transfer and all that sort of thing, um, yeah. then yes, for sure. But I'm never going to do that myself. Yeah, yeah. But if you've got a 993, you reckon if, if someone's got a 993 and they're on stock suspension, then they should really try to get... Change um, it. Change it yeah. though, because it's it's crap what's already on it as stock. Yeah, change crap. it like to pretty much any of the above. Like uh, KWs get really good wraps. Um, I think that's what Manti Racing use, which... Um, 
Okay. Obviously, everybody kind of raves about. So I think, you know, even if, for example, if I had to kind of change the GT3 um, shocks out, I would think about KWs. I don't think they're as dear as Olin's. But um, one of the things for me is that I had the um, lift kit fitted to the front of my car. Um, So I'm not quite sure how that works, to be perfectly honest. What brand is that again, the lift kit? Techart. Techart. Techart lift kit, which is a bit problematic, right? Has been problematic. Um, Yeah, it wasn't that reliable. It's still a little bit kind of funny, but it's um, I know how it works and I'd rather have it than not. So Um, it works most of the times now? It, it what happens is you press the button and it'll lift the car up, but it doesn't stay up all the time. So um, okay, so can I put that on my standard? If I have a base Carrera, my car, say, yeah, can I put yeah. that lift kit on my car? You sure can. With the suspension I have, it doesn't have to be special suspension. They just put the lift kit on. Yeah, and see, this is where um, my knowledge runs out. Um, you'll if you look it up, there's. The lift kit obviously is um, like some sort of hydraulic unit, but I think it might be also like the spring. You change just the spring out or oh, okay. help a spring or something like that. It, so does it impact the It's got like handling? an extra bit to it. No, it was fine. So people with a GTS, for example, because GTSs run a little bit low. The 991 GTSs are quite low at mm-hmm. the front, I think. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not, I think, I think from what I read. So people with, you know, even modern 911s to get that lift kit is quite a good idea. Is it expensive? Uh, I got mine very early on, so we're talking five, six years ago. I can't remember exactly what I paid, right? but I'm, I think it was around four, four KRZ. So it's not cheap. I'll be curious with my mate who just bought, um, you know, the identical car to me, whether or not he sort of starts to get the shits with, um, if he has the same experience as me, which is I just sort of found like tackling most driveways in Sydney was um, pretty, pretty difficult. Yeah, you definitely need it. I know that that, that front spoiler is consumable, but um, you don't want to be consuming. It's not that cheap, though, is it? It's still not that cheap, that plastic bit that you keep breaking all the time. Uh, About a bit less than 300 bucks, I think. Yeah, no, that's not super cheap. But the 997.1 GT3 didn't come with a lift kit, did it? If you buy a 997, if you buy a GT3 997, it was a 997.2 that came with a lift kit as an option. And then people complain about the problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what that was. So, what brand that was? Was that who the aftermarket supplier of that was for Porsche? I don't know, but I do know that this tech art thing. Um, I remember when Auto House got a hold of it and they were installing it. I don't think they'd done an install. Well, mine was a second with this particular kit. Um, they did sort of say to me that it was much better engineered than the um, standard, the standard factory one. Oh, that's good. That's a good tip. So and I believe uh, Techart lift kit. I guess it's probably like got better over the years as well. They're probably tweaking it as well as they go along. Yeah, I think I think when you read the Shark Works website, I think they say something similar, which is okay. that's the one that they kind of recommend. Um, but I mean, good if you've got a low car, not a cheap option. It's like you know, you, if you do a lift kit and you do you know coilovers, you're probably not going to come out with much change than uh, what out of ten grand Australian, probably close to it. Yeah. Uh, well, I th- and sorry, just to kind of be clear too, I think these days if you're kind of specking um, a new suspension, you can just, like if you sort of want a coilover set, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them kind of go, you can get a version with a lift kit. Oh, that's right. I think I've seen that yeah. actually, you're right. I think I've seen it on yeah. Bilstein's site. And KW do it as well for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's already built in. So that's probably a better idea, isn't it? It's more integrated. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, mate. I think we're out of time. You want to end it for today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's end it.
It's over. Sorry, guys. It's, it's over. It's all over. <laughs> it's over. We're done. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, mate. Have a, Take have care. a, have a good gr- one. Yeah, have a good week. Sun's it's the out. week before Christmas. Next week is Christmas. Look at the blue sky in the background in London here. Look at it. It's it's a very beautiful day. The river, even the Thames looks um, bluish today. It doesn't look brown, which is nice. Mm. All right, mate. Take cool. it easy. Take care. All right. Okay, everyone. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening to the Portugal podcast. That's about it. Thanks for listening and bye for now. <laughs>